Hey team, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Uh, this is a show that's all about getting better at doing the hard stuff that makes life exciting. Today I am joined by JP Tocker. JP and I have been trying to set this up for a wee while. JP is a husband and a dad. He's the co-host of the official All Blacks podcast. He's host of the JP Tocker show, a rugby commentator and associate director at Deloitte and an all-round good dude uh, who is interested in a whole range of things so we chat through some interesting stuff today we talk through a little bit about what lockdown has been like for us some of the challenges that we've faced uh, with it mentally and emotionally how we talk about getting over the hump of doing difficult things Uh, we talk about the need to get out there and do stuff rather than just think about it and read stuff we talk about the fear of missing out uh, and how we can think about that and reframe it and obviously we talk about dealing with discomfort in, in its many forms. I think this uh, this is one that is maybe a little slightly different uh, in terms of style. JP's a podcaster as well so he flips the switch on me a little bit and asks me some questions um, so there's a lot of back and forth in this conversation for everybody. Before we jump into it, one thing, I just want to give you guys a quick plug for my new show called Leading Through Challenge. If you're interested in upping your leadership game at all uh, and want to learn from the experts about how to get better being a leader when you're faced with challenge, then check it out. It's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube, it's on whatever you're listening to this on. So once you've finished listening to JP and I, make sure to check out Leading Through Challenge. JP Tucker, welcome, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast, mate. This has been a wee while in the making, I think. We, We started talking about doing something like this, yeah, maybe two years ago. Yeah, probably two, I reckon about two, two? years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, it's good that I've finally changed. been organised enough to uh, to set this up. you just got to make that calendar invite out. As soon as, you, as soon as it's in your calendar, like it's like it's done. Yeah. You sort out with the family, work, this is this is on. And, right, we're, um, we're away, we're away, yeah. yeah. Um, now I've got my MSP hoodie on. I do, I, I saw that actually, it's very nice. I don't know if I've still, I've still got a bit of MSP stuff in, in the drawers somewhere. Who is JP Tocker? Like, where were you born, buddy? Where, where did you grow up? Um, Karori, just down the road. Not too far. Grew up in Karori. Mum, dad's the old man's from Taranaki um, originally. Mum's parents are Irish, but she grew up in, effectively grew up in Jabal. Uh, I went to St. Teresa's in Karori and then um, had a, a stint in Tauranga for about three and a bit years, which was really cool. And lots of the people that I was friends with in Tauranga, I'm still really close with, which is which is awesome, probably my favourite place in New Zealand. And then came back and then did school at St. Pat's, St. Pat's Town, and then been hanging around, doing stuff, all sorts of stuff. Lots of rugby and uh, lots of talking and heaps of IT stuff. Awesome, yeah. bro. And do you remember anything, any big experiences from your youth that have kind of shaped you on the path that you've you've gone down? Well, when I lived in Tauranga, my best mate's mum was the speech and drama teacher at the primary school that I went to. And actually his dad and my dad played for Hawke's Bay together. And um, Jock McCarroll was his name. He was a real famous junior All Black, halfback. And so I did speech and drama, sort of felt like I was forced into it a little bit. And and then I did lots of competitions, like the the oratory, uh, improvisation stuff. And, and uh, mum and dad, it was kind of, I liked getting out of class, so that was kind of the bonus. But. <laughs> Yeah. Mum and dad sort of said, you know, speaking's really important. You need to do this. So I, I didn't argue it too much. And then when we moved back to Wellington, I switched to public speaking. And so I did the Trinity College exams all the way up through to like sixth or seventh form, I think. And I picked up in sixth form, I picked up like a silver medal. I like came, yeah, you know, like second or third in the world for one of the exams I did. And so probably at the time it was a pain in the ass. But I think that sort of gave me the confidence to speak in public and put my hand up to speak and talk and do things. And, you know, when podcasting was taking off and I was sort of at a little bit of a, wasn't enjoying the job at the time that much and it was a bit flat and my brother and a few people put a bit of pressure on me. So I knew lots of people doing some cool stuff. So I'd 
just kicked off my own little podcast and got some really good traction and it was it was really good fun when I, while I kept it up <laughs> and things got a bit busy with children and stuff but that's sort of how it started a little bit and I was doing some commentary for Sky Sport at the time uh, doing some rugby stuff and it just sort of all supplemented each other my my interview skills got a lot better I got much better at listening not that this is related but I, I'm a celebrant as well <laughs> so that all sort of helps each other a little bit you know doesn't matter whose wedding it is you know it, but it's it's uncomfortable being the front of a wedding when it's not your day but you have the potential to completely screw up their day so and it's a little bit like that I'm like, like I've done a few I do the cross for for, for rugby for first of doing rugby so I'd be the first guy you'd see you know and the, the producer be counting down your ear to where you go live and first time I did that, I think I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and it's, you know, you don't, it was like, just, it was actually hurting in my chest. And then I watched it back and I was like, oh, I was actually looked quite calm. Like no one probably really knew what was going on at the time. Not too, not too sweaty at the time when you were watching it back. No, yeah, oh, mate, I would sweat it, like, jacket off and we sweated under the pit. So I think in a nutshell, like, all those things kind of sort of helped me. But you love having conversations and love being a part of uh, some good topics, especially some of the stuff that you do as well. Mm, awesome, bro. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I didn't, I, I didn't know that about you, especially kind of early days. Because how old are you? You're 37, 38? 30. 7 38 in october yeah cool and we're we're a similar age i'm i'm 36 i'm 37 in october and Ooh, what day like 27th okay what i'm a, the 6th of october not far away okay okay yeah qualifies a libra scorpio actually scorpio oh, okay, i right. just kind of sneak into that side like we we grew up in a kind of similar time in new zealand and rugby was obviously kind of an important thing around that time but I can imagine that you might have got some funny looks with the, the speech and drama stuff early on. Do you remember that happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, got a bit of a hard time. Got a real hard time. And because some of the stuff you did was, was pretty out there. Like, I remember when one time mum made me dress up as I had to do a recital and it was, good God, who was the, the poem? It was the Captain Hook or Cook or Poem or something. I had to dress up as a pirate and wear makeup, uniform, uh, makeup and shit. And to be honest, in college and high school, nobody knew. I didn't tell anyone what I was up to, what I was doing. I used to, um, my the speak, the public speaking, the teacher, she lived in Strathmore and Cavendish Square. And actually for a period, I had a girlfriend who lived just not far. So it was sort of like, I'd go there, do that, and then go to her house. And that was kind of the excuse for a little while. <laughs> if anyone saw yeah. me in Strathmore, that's what I was up to. I was visiting one of the boys from the, from the rugby team. But didn't, yeah, didn't really talk about it a hell of a lot. I guess, I mean, I wasn't embarrassed about it, but it just, at the time, I didn't really understand the benefit and just feel like it was something, some, something mum was making me do. Yeah, and that's, that's real interesting as well. I, I think sometimes that's why we don't pursue some opportunities. And I mean, hopefully I've got to the stage now where I'm less inclined to worry a whole heap about what other people might think. And like, yeah. bro, good on you for, for keeping, keeping going with that and, and doing that. I, I don't know that I would have been able to through uh, through high school. Uh, I was in the I was in the high school show in seventh form, but so were most of the other seventh formers. So that was sweet. But I think it, it it's really interesting when you look at it from that perspective of like what appears normal at the time, what you kind of gravitate towards, because like the stuff that I do now in terms of kind of podcasting and writing stuff was always something that I did enjoy when I was younger. Like I loved writing stories and I loved writing about things and I loved talking. And I remember actually when I was, when I was little or no, not so little, maybe 11 or 12, we had a day at school where you dress up as what you wanted to be when you grew up. I actually went yeah. as a commentator. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. I, wanted, yeah. I think I wanted to commentate cricket rather than rugby at that, the time. It was that's summer. my dream job. Yeah, yeah mate. That, that'd be awesome, actually. Um, yeah. But then uh, somewhere along the line, I kind of, uh, I, I went away from it and stopped kind of doing those things that were interesting for me because I thought other people might think that I was a bit of a dick because of it do you take the the gary v approach that you you got to do what you love and all this kind of stuff i, I think part of that's true but i there's a, also it concerns me as well that kids are going to university and doing arts degrees and coming out with nothing 
got a thirty thousand dollar loan and they still don't know what they want to do. Like, is a part of is a part of that you should chase your passion, but also you kind of got to go. Well, you know, can I get a job at a university? Like, do you think maybe that was part of the fear that you weren't sure where the money was going to come or how? No, I, I don't think I don't think it was about the money at all. I think it yeah. was just I was I was just scared of what other people thought of me, and I think yeah. like I do. I, I listen to a lot of Gary V. Actually, I really, I really enjoy him, and I, th- I think that the stuff that he talks about in terms of doing things that you love is is really important. And I'm kind of at the point now where I don't actually worry too much about what other people think of it. I mean, obviously, we're sitting down having this this conversation at the moment, and it's it's something that I love, and it's something that I do around yeah. my other work and my other my other responsibilities. But it is a it is a, a thing that I that I love and a thing that I enjoy. And I think it's, it is important for us to, well, it's important for me anyway, I don't know if it's important for everyone to have something like that. When you're, when you're doing this stuff, I'm sure that you feel, you feel a little bit more lit up. And as you said, like it yeah. has crossover into other areas. Like I ask better questions and I listen better in my other roles as well. Like I listen better as a husband because I do this. I'm a better physio because I do this. I'm a better, better leader and a better manager because I do this as well. And I, I kind of understand context and perspective a wee bit better. And also because it excites me, then I show up excited in other areas of my life as well. So yeah, I think it, I think it is important that, that finding stuff that you're passionate about and stuff that you love. I don't know like that, that arts degree example you mentioned like you go and do an arts degree and you come out with $30,000 debt and you still don't know what you want to do. I don't know if that's something chasing what you, what you love and what you're passionate about. I think that actually might be an example of going and doing something because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. One thing I noticed, so the, the lockdown thing was sort of happening and I'm a very social person. So I decided to try and do some podcasts, some positive, some positive stuff part of that the energy I got from doing those, as you said, was, was really cool. And it created energy in other areas of my life and a little bit of excitement. Whereas, you know, there's a bit of pain because there are a lot of work, but I kind of forgotten a little bit about that fun thing that I used to do. Like I got on my mountain bike on Saturday, I hadn't been on my mountain bike for a year and a half. And I was like, Oh my God, why don't I ride this thing all the time? And it's like, well, it's, you got to get it out. You got to get there. What, you know, you're going to be away for two or three hours whilst going to give you a hard time. But when you come back, you're like fizzing. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a weird thing that, you know, it's going to be fun, but there's like, there's this little barrier that's stopping mm. you. And it's almost, <laughs> to, you know, it's going to somehow know that if you push through, you're going to come out the other side, you're going to be okay. It's a weird thing. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the same with a lot of things as well as, is that often there's that initial uncomfortable hump that you need to get over. There's, there, there's some kind of friction there for you. And it's probably different in, in different situations. Like with the podcast, you know, hey, actually, this is going to be a bit of work and it's going to take some time away from some family time or, or, or something else. And yeah, mountain biking, I've got to pull it out. I've got to dust, get all the spiders out off my stuff and yeah. probably going to have to yeah. clean it afterwards. And yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And I think, that's why a lot of people don't start doing things yeah. like, you yeah. know, actually you're probably going to feel good after this or after you've done it. And it's that, it's that initial inertia though, that you just can't get over the top of yeah. that. And it's, it's a mental barrier, a comic called the oatmeal. Uh, I don't know if you've ever come across it. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Real, real some real weird stuff, but like they have an example of someone wanting to go out for a run and there's a couple of squirrels sitting just outside. It's a, I think it's an American or Canadian comic and they don't go out because there's murderous squirrels outside. It's that shit. It's such a small thing that, but it just adds an extra layer of friction for us to get out there and, and, and get doing it. And it's like, it's once you st- start to get over that hump a couple of times then that hump eventually becomes smaller but then when you stop doing it it gets bigger again it's like when you're it's like when you're training yeah bro yeah i've seen you i've seen you out running around occasionally i've consumed a lot in the first two or three weeks of lockdown and then i put the running shoes back on because i don't mind lifting weights that's fun but 
uh, running is it just takes like I have to trick myself to get out the door like I have to book it in my calendar have my clothes ready in the morning have you know a bit of coffee so there's no excuse that I have to get out that door and you get like it's funny you get down the road and you're like oh my god thank god I did this you know but and, and then once I start to get a little bit fitter I start going when's the next one when's the next one you, mm. get, that, you get that adrenaline but just getting out that door freak it's hard so what's going through your head at that time Before when, you're, when you're running? Yeah, when you're trying to get out the door. So generally, um, so like I'm a, I'm a put off. It's something that um, I'm scared of or makes me feel uncomfortable. I'll mm. delay, ignore or put off. Um, whether that's cleaning, um, if that's a bill I need to pay or if it's an awkward conversation, my first response is to delay. And so when I go for a run, I'm like, well, I could really do with that extra half hour you know, work on uh, this document or I could do this work or I'll be like, I'd clean the house as an excuse, not which <laughs> is <run>, not. <laughs> so, the, and, and one of the things um, which is really cool is that Jana's really supportive. So she's like, she's like kicking my ass to get out the door. Whereas probably a few years ago, you know, when the kids are a bit long, younger, she'd be sort of saying, oh, I really do need to do that run. But now it's, it's go, 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 because you're a pain in the ass and really annoying when you haven't been exercising. So that support also really helps that don't have that other excuse. So it's a mind game. <laughs> and mm. I try and put a few, uh, the old, um, old Goggins uh, theories through my head on the way out, which sometimes help, not always. Yeah. So what, like a bit of Goggins stuff, a little bit of accountability from your wife, help you get over that, over that hump. Yeah. What are the, is, like, is something... your internal stuff as well? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of internal stuff, but there's, there's always, a, of, there's always a goal and generally the scales and getting back in my suit pants is one. I actually did like a bit of a course, some uh, training with Jared Tordle, who does the Mana Mind. You know, Jared? Mm. Uh, you had him on your podcast a couple yes. of weeks ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And one of the things he he sort of taught me, you know, one of the practices that he does, is that he has a routine of um, when he wants to push through or he's sort of struggling, and I'm doing this too, is um, I sort of say to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm so close. I'm so close that if I don't, just do this little next bit. Well, if I do, sorry, if I do do this next little bit, I'm that much closer to cracking it. You're about to crack it. So I sort of say to myself, oh, I'm so fucking close. I'm so fucking close. This, this next run is just going to get me that inch closer, you know, rather than thinking about all the runs I've got to do to get to that weight goal. This little one is just the stepping stone. And that's really helped. Not just, not just getting out the door, but work's been pretty tough the last um, six or seven weeks it's been really intense and um, <laughs> sometimes in the afternoon we just want to throw your laptop screen out the window or you know <laughs> get really frustrated that you know I, I'll, I'll do the little I'm, I'm so close I'm so close to that target to that goal to the next day to to finishing and that's that's really helped especially just the internal the, the negative thoughts mm, yeah that's a that's a cool way to to pose it actually I have I don't know if I've come across that one before is that you're almost there with whatever it is that you're working on and it's uh it's I don't a want nice to give away all Jared's secrets no, but no, he's I'll, got I'll, some really good I'll, some really good triggers that you should definitely get them on yeah yeah mate I'll, I'll have to test that one out as well thankfully I've kind of trained myself now to be able to get out for a bit of a, a jog around the block uh, regardless of what's going on like I think Wellington, you're always looking pretty fit, so I'm not surprised. It's the metabolism, mate. I just I can't put on, can't really put on weight. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I play. That's why I played at under eighty fives. I'd I'd still easily get in, get into a, a pair of those really? rugby shorts. Yeah, yeah. I had a hundred. I had a hundred and five kgs about a week or two ago. Oh, mate! Nice. <laughs> it's more than it's more than some of the All Blacks in the front row. It's <laughs> and you're a winger as well, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. I, I was I was like a sprinter at school and stuff. So I played wing fullback, and then as I got older and slower, it just started creeping in towards the scrum. Yeah. And sort of finished up playing centre of second five. So yeah. But I was always around about ninety five to ninety eight, generally playing. Had a season at 100, and that was pretty painful. 
better taken than knocks, but not much fun when everyone's running past you. Nah, nah, not at all. And mate, like you, you were talking about lockdown and and things being tough for the last six or seven weeks. Like, what does that like? What does that look like for you? Kind of moving out of your normal routine into this into yep. this period. Yep, I don't want to be completely really negative about it because. I'm in. I work for. I work for Deloitte, and I'm in, in um, a consulting role. And so I, I'm running a project in Auckland, big project. So I've been travelling a lot. So the, I think the the positives of the the lockdown is that I don't have to travel. So I've been at home with my family. You know, I'm not flying. So there's immediately like four to six hours a week I get back that I'm not in a mm. taxi, a plane, or travelling. Getting way more time and not missing as many moments, and that's been that's been cool. I've absolutely loved that. The, the bit that I've found tough is though, I, th- I think it's probably just the way I'm wired. I love face-to-face, moving about, seeing people, high-fiving, you know, and celebrating and, and things like that. So, you know, the eight, nine-hour, ten-hour days in this room that you see behind me, you know, I'll be up in the room most days by 7.30, you know, and, and some of those days, we're lucky to get out by sort of five, five or six o'clock. And so they are they're just a lot of talking I run projects and people and things and so I'm directing traffic a bit and um, so there's been more conversations I think to keep the velocity of projects and things moving which to to be honest it's been really surprising We, we haven't lost a lot of ground we've maintained the velocity of the work that we're doing in in a lot of spaces which is there's probably been a little bit of an upkeep of more of these types of conversations but there's also been some things we've learned that people are actually communicating better. We've probably reduced a lot of redundant conversations that we didn't need or used to have. So when we do meet, it's a little bit more purposeful. But just the intensity, I think, has, has been pretty pretty full on. You know, I, I, it's it's sort of one of those times I think we'll look back and go, holy heck, how do we get through that? But I don't know if you are, but I'm I'm feeling like a little bit anxious going back into the office and those sorts of things. And not because I'm scared about getting sick or anything like that. Like, I, it's more about just getting back into a routine that been out of for seven, seven was it seven weeks now? So, yeah. And, and, and what what about yourself though? Because you're a, I mean, your job is is people, right? So, how? Yeah, how yeah. So I mean, we stuff? like we are quite interesting. Like, for those people who are just listening, it uh, now I, I work as a manager for a, a rehab company. Um, and my my background is as a as a physio, and I still do a little bit of physio work. So it's been it's been fascinating, kind of going from a real very client facing uh, business, like where we're one on one sessions with people all day, to doing everything virtually. So we've we've kind of actually and and i think we've done it pretty well being able to flip that clinic-based service over to a telehealth service so virtual consults with people reasonably well and and i don't know kind of exactly what it's like through the rest of of the company across the country but but my my team have have really taken to it and they've been going going really really well in terms of delivering services virtually and yeah there's a there's a bit of stuff that you can't do virtually that you could do in a clinic room. Obviously, like you can't put a strapping tape on anyone or you can't do acupuncture yeah. or yeah. Like crack someone's yeah. back. But a lot of the stuff that we do is education. A lot of the stuff is kind of diagnosis and exercise prescription. And like if you ask people really good questions, you get an idea of, of the right. diagnosis and then you can give them some great education and then kind of continue to, to monitor them. So like it's changed the way that we've worked a little bit and it's for some people, it's, it's, it. It's, I think, I hope it will long Yeah. I hope it will long term. Like I think there's, I think there's definitely room to, to use this model of this model of delivering services especially like Wellington's Wellington's interesting and the big cities are interesting because like most people can get to a clinic. There's a clinic near them that they could go and see someone one-on-one, but like we've got clinics over in the wider upper and like some people would have to come 50 K each way to have an appointment. So like might be cool to come in for the first appointment and then actually do virtual sessions with someone moving forward. So I, I think like ideally, as you said, it'll take a bit of redundancy out of the system like that someone doesn't need to travel a hundred Ks for a half an hour physio appointment uh, once a week. 
I've got a question for you. One thing that I've always thought, having been to a lot of physios, is that, and especially in the rehab space, that what percentage of do you think of the rehab is actually the the psychology of the conversation and you actually care about them? Because some of these people are in rehab and have been through some pretty shitty times or experiences. And I've, I've always wondered, like, if you could measure the actual re- yeah. physical rehab versus what, what's going on in the head. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I have. And that's something that I do think about quite a lot. And that's kind of something that I frame a lot of the other work that I do around like building resilience on as well. And as I've, as I've progressed in my career, it's, I think it's more and more, a uh, like I think the psychology and how you interact with people and how you, how you come across and the messaging that you give to them, and this is all kind of backed up by the science that's coming out as well. I started off thinking that, yeah, it was like 90%. It was the injury and 10% yeah. the person. And then I kind of got to the stage where it was 50-50. And I think it's probably where I'm sitting at the moment. It's probably 25% actually the mechanical stuff that's going on with someone. Yeah. And 75% up in the head and the interaction. And, and I think like the role that, I have to play and like as you said like you you've gone to see heaps of different physios you will have noticed the ones that interact a little bit better with someone and the ones that come across differently and talk to you on like they're on your level and explain things to you in the way that that works for you and kind of de-threaten the situation they're the ones that you often get quicker results with like it's it's really it's really fascinating like especially when you start to talk about pain and think about pain how much of that is modulated by our brain and our central nervous system and our threat response and our hormonal system and all of the other stuff that's going on in our life. Like I think they did a study at Massey university where they found that, so there's something called a numeric pain rating scale. So it goes from zero to 10. So zero is no pain. 10 is like the most pain you can, you can ever imagine. If you've been to a physio, they would have asked you that question. Um, But, they found that people who were better hydrated or people who were well hydrated compared to people who were dehydrated, the people who were well hydrated scored two points lower on that scale <laughs> than yeah. the people yeah. that, who, who weren't well hydrated. And you're like, shit, that's interesting. Hangovers are not good. When yeah. You're well yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't know exactly yeah. what that, what mechanisms going on there, but yeah. So I think it's, I reckon it's, it's, very much in favor of like how we how we communicate with people and how we we come across as well rather than the structural kind of nuts and bolts of it and like you probably find that as running a team as well like if you interact with someone in a different way and you're communicating with them in the context of their situation with empathy that actually you get a better result from them than just saying i need you to do this absolutely i still think empathy is like number one in everything and mm. like if you if you could choose like i said to someone <laughs> this is pretty big come from my family my son was going to be an all black or was going to be empathetic i'd choose him to be empathetic and show good empathy which he's shown some signs of but it's an amazing motivator as well showing empathy and a bit of humility and and if i turn up monday meeting to my stand-up negative demotivated and thinking about myself and not how other people are thinking, then they pick up on that vibe. Then that's mm. the vibe they're going to take the rest of the day. And it's just like a, a disease. Uh, it's just absolute disease. I think one of the things that I try and think about is, you know, even when you don't want to be positive, that I, I try my best to be and upbeat and, and make sure that uh, I'm thinking about other people in my shoes or and how they're feeling. I think that some things or some reasons why I've done well in, in life and in workplace and stuff is be my ability to do that and, and to be one thing I find really hard is is that I do become friends with a lot of people and sometimes it's really hard to have a tough conversation with someone that who quite close to in, in their friend mm. and so in the workplace um, I'm learning to balance the friendship and the client and the employee or the, the person that works with me I've learned uh, over the years, how to balance that and choosing my times when I can choose the time to 
to be the friend, show the empathy and the humility, but then be able to go, oh, hey, by the way, actually, you guys stuffed up last week. So here's a $50,000 change control because we're not going to make it unless we change this up and have that real tough conversation. Mm. And then let's go to the pub afterwards, you know? And, you know, and I'm not the master of that yet. Uh, My old boss, uh, Paul, um, I'll give him a shout out, Paul Herndon. He's really good at that. He can be the real tough, hard nose, but he can do it without coming across as an asshole. And he can do it in such a manner that he's still so likable. He's like, he's delivering you the bad news that uh, he's like, for example, like imagine if someone came, turned up your house and said, I'm real sorry, but you know, your house at the bank, we're repositioning your house. But the way he would sell it to us, you'd be like, giving him a high five and asking if you want to go to a beer <laughs> after. And it's an absolute skill and one I'm working on, but getting better at. Mm. But I just, I, I totally agree. And, yeah. Um, but how do you, how do you think about that? How do you think about trying to come across in that way? I'm or really, is there stuff that you do to train yourself in it? Yeah. Some stuff unsubconsciously and some things subconsciously. But, so one, one of the things like you talked earlier about, you know how there's funny, there's these funny things that we do. You know, we don't know why we're doing them at the times, but then later on you're going, holy shit, like one of those things was playing rugby and I never played in a successful team of superstars. When You know, I, teams that did well were we had everyone contributing and we're working as a unit and we were as successful off the field and what we did socially and we knew, we knew all about everyone's families, we knew what was going on in their lives, we understood, you know, if what, what was happening at work. So... I try and make sure we've got a holistic view of not what's just happening at work, what's happening outside of work and and those other things. So if someone turns up Monday morning and they're late to the meeting and they probably aren't dressed that well, bags under their eyes, I'm not going to assume that they've been out drinking all weekend because I know that this lady in particular has actually got three kids and I bet you all three kids were up all night last night. So you've rather than come in hard and you're late and all this bullshit, you probably keep it positive or keep it above the line and go, well, she's probably had a real hard late, hard night or a hard weekend. And there's some external things happening. So try not to jump to the negative, think about the positive first. And I, I tell you, being a parent, as you know, it, it, it makes you, it creates a lot more humility. What's the, the, the meme when like the people who don't have kids are like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you don't know anything. Yeah. So um, that's one thing I absolutely try and think about is what else is going on that's affecting their behavior at work. And it was also the same with rugby. Like if someone on the team wasn't playing well or wasn't contributing like they normally did, it's not about going out and hitting tackle pegs harder or training harder. Let's find out what that other thing is. Be a mate, be a friend and, and let's work on that. And some of the teams I played in, I think we, what we did off the field affected us more than what we did on it. Well, sorry, the things we did off the field increased probably the, we played better as a team. Um, and we could have trained the house down and it didn't really matter. But it was just those little things. And, and trying to think about those in a work context is um, what are we doing socially as a group? Are we learning about each other? Not just turning up and just trying to smash it and work as hard as we can all the time. And, and rugby's been so thankful for it. At the time, you're just going through the motions. And um, I look back now and, and just think how lucky I am to have been a part of some, some pretty cool teams. And I think that's really interesting, bro, because that also applies to yourself as well. Being a bit easy on yourself. If, you're, if some of the behavior that you have doesn't come up to scratch, like yep. if you don't get over that hump and go for a run one day, and you start yep. to beat yourself up and you're like, oh, JP, man, yep. come on. You're a bit of a sack here, man. Just get out and run. Like actually thinking that's about like, one, oh. yeah, what, what else is going on that's affecting this behavior? Like what is, what is happening here? Like did I have a bad night with the kids up and like completely agree with the, I thought I was, I thought I was tired before I had kids, but I wasn't. But, uh, the one that I struggle with the most and that affects me all the time is that I have a fear of people not liking me. And this is one of the big things that Jared ripped out of me. And it was some really some quite tough conversations that, that we had. And um, a lot of the things that I do will be in the fear of someone not liking me. And so trying to catch myself when I'm doing something that, I'm just doing to keep someone happy rather than 
adding benefit or, or for, for example, um, I might spend an hour doing something to keep someone happy or to make them like me more where I could be actually going for that run, doing something that she needs to do or, or doing something that's actually positive. And so I'm trying to work really hard at that. I'm still struggling at times mm. and other times I'm getting better. What sort, of, what sort of stuff are you talking about in terms of doing things to try and make other people happy? I've got uh, an associated issue with with this is FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, and one of, <laughs> one of those things is, you know, when the, the boys are doing something or there's something on, part of me is like, if I don't go, I'm letting them down. And so it's the whole, you know, they're going to see you again. It's okay. They're not going to hate you. And that's probably a real big one. So oh, I'm trying hard to be happy and okay with not going to that event, not you know, going to the pub, uh, saying yes to everything and thinking that I'm you know, keeping everyone happy by doing so many different things and then probably diluting or doing a bit of a shit job at home, doing not as good a job at work because I'm so far spread. And to be honest, that was one of the reasons why I put the podcast on hold for a bit and a few other things I was doing at the time and I just wanted to try and get the quality a little bit better of a few things I was doing at home and at work and some other bits and pieces so yeah working working hard on that and um, the FOMO I tell you that the seven weeks at home has been really good for the FOMO because there's no opportunity to do that stuff but having said that, I am looking forward to catching up with the boys on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might, like, it, it, this might be a good thing, bro. It might have started to train you out of it a little bit as well, which would be, which would be Absolutely cool. Absolutely has, yep. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's really interesting as well. And I think, like, probably a lot of people, I'm, I'm also guilty of saying yes to a heap of things. And sometimes it's even, like, at work as well. Like, people will come to you and say, can you do this? Can you do that? Just, just life in general. And you think, yeah I can do that actually I'll say I'll say yes to it but it is that am I just saying yes to please someone in this instance or am I saying yes because I'm working towards some something big picture for myself and I think part of it is kind of coming to the understanding of like what is the what is the big picture that I'm that I want to work towards at the moment and does this serve that purpose and yeah, absolutely. It's, it's 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 interesting because often that big picture changes as well. Like the stuff that you want this year isn't going to be the same stuff that you wanted five years ago. So you kind of constantly need to reevaluate, like your the, the filter that you put stuff through that you yep. say yes to, which have, like have obviously you read, you're doing at the moment. Have you read Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight book? Um, nah, it's, it's on my that. list. So it's been in my Audible account for ages and I finally chucked it on my mate and I couldn't put it down. It was amazing. Hey, what he did, what they did, but the setbacks they had, diversity, the whole being uncomfortable, like he was never comfortable and he's still not comfortable today. But I got to the end of it and I felt really sad because his son died um, in his 20s, 20s or 30s, but he absolutely missed out on bringing up his kids. And it was, it was kind of like a, a realization. And then there's a little bit of a theme. I was talking to my mate about it the other day and we sort of read the same books and things. And we were sort of the consistent that Steve Jobs, all those guys, the one thing they all say is wish I could have spent more time with the family or the kids. On the flip side, it's also really hard because, you know, we're in some pretty tough times at the moment and putting bread on the table and being financially secure is, you know, and that, Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. is pretty is pretty high up there. So, you know, as as parents and you know some some people looking after their parents, grandparents, things, it's a real tough one. Yeah, even I work hard and and push myself hard, but you know, it's I, I think I sort of said to myself the other day that you know you don't have to be kicking goals all the time. That, that the main thing is that I'm catching up, seeing the kids, doing the things on the weekend, and those things, and that's probably actually number one not the where's the career going am i you know making the dollars and stuff it's been a, like a, a little lockdown learning for me i think a little bit i, I don't think i was doing a really bad job about it but um just as cool a cool little thing to, to think about in hindsight yeah it is a, it is an interesting thing to think about um and like it's been a it's been an interesting unique situation obviously kind of working at home and and my wife works as well and we've got a we've got a two-year-old and it's 
trying to juggle that and, and and work and like thankfully nana just is not too far up the road and uh we've been able to utilize yeah. her a little bit for for yes. looking after the wee one um yeah. in our in our bubble um but there's like there is a lot of guilt associated with it as well i think um like no matter what you're doing like if i'm working i could be being dad now oh that's the worst and if i'm that's- yeah if i'm dad i could be there's still some stuff from work that i need to be doing as well you've hit the nail on the head that i think that actually um probably has been the hardest part of this lockdown is i'm sitting in like the front room of my house which i can see what's going on outside me and the kids mm. on the trampoline and you know they're all outside running around and i'm you know and like yesterday little annabelle's three she came into the room and was on a zoom call and she said daddy can you please come with me i really miss you and everyone went oh you know um lots of sympathy and it, it is hard in those moments but mm. um at the same time i've got a job to do and um that you know, there'll be a time later that I can do that, but I, I've still, this is still a really important thing that I need to do. Um, but it is, it is, it is, it's a balance, eh? Um, how, how have you, one, one thing that I've been lucky is, well, uh, Jana's business obviously couldn't operate during lockdown and she does some other work which got put on hold. So she has been full-time mum, but how have you guys handled having to get the work done and share the responsibility at home that's it's been it's been interesting my wife is a doctor um so she's essential services yeah but she's um she's not like a a hospital doctor so she's been doing all of her work from home um okay so predominantly it's been uh and and she she only works four days a week um so we use nana two mornings um and so I'd work those mornings yep. uh, when Connor went down for, for a sleep uh, during the day and, and the Wednesday. Uh, and I, I definitely got more efficient in doing the stuff that I needed to get done. And I probably got a little bit ruthless as well in regards to, is this going to, is this one going to serve the purpose? Is this going to, is this going to push things forward or is this like, if I leave this, for half a day is someone else going to sort this stuff out for me and it's amazing how much time that does that that actually happens um like coming into level three connor's been able to go back and do a little bit of in-home childcare as well which has been awesome has been helpful so that's like freed up another um freed up two days for me uh, to to do some do some more work, which has been cool, um, but it is like I think one of the things that I one of the conclusions that I came to you said I've been doing a little bit of journaling over this time as well. Um, oh, cool! Just to kind of like ten minutes, trying to do ten minutes most days, just to sort of explore stuff, and like doing a bit of thinking about guilt and like why am I feeling guilty here. Um, and part of it is, I think, like, what am I, what's my priority at this time? And if I don't have a real clear priority, that's where I feel like I'm pulled in different directions. So that's usually the oh, times wow. that I do feel that I do feel guilty. Like, yeah, am I working on some important stuff here? And just making sure that I kind of schedule that important stuff in. Yep. And then if there's other stuff that kind of comes up, uh that isn't important then actually i don't really need to worry about it when i'm doing dad time do you do you go do you do goal setting or you review your goals at the start of the week or something similar to that uh is it how you know what you need to be focused on or how do you go yeah yeah kind of so like I, i think um it's slightly like it's slightly different because i for my, for my work, I wear quite a few different hats. Like I do, I do some physio work. I manage uh, my my team locally, and I do some national management work as well in a training perspective. Um, so I've got a few different pulls on my time, and, and trying to figure out kind of what priorities are there. So I think rather than goals, it's it's more of a hey, what's the like, what's the the short 
well, I guess you could call them goals. It's kind of what's the short term priority stuff here for me um, that I that I want to be focusing on this week that is going to lead me to that that sort of medium term outcome that I want to achieve. Yeah. Um, I probably don't have any real long term stuff in in those spaces just at the moment. Um, but again, I guess it's it's similar. Uh, at home as well, um, like with with the podcast and with the the work that I do around that, um, and with the the stuff that I do with the the new project leading through challenge as well is like, what is the kind of what's the thinking like? What's the long term game like? Where do I want want to get to with this in in ten years time, and then kind of bringing it yep. back. Okay, what do I want to achieve in in one year? What do I want to achieve in six months? what do I want to want to do in one month and then kind of what's the priority list for the week. Um, obviously lockdowns changed a lot of the thinking around all of those things. So it's yeah. been, it's yeah. been massive kind of decision fatigue about trying to figure that out. But that's kind of, that, that's one of the ways that I think about it. But then it's also kind of being a bit easy on yourself as well. Like if it doesn't all go to plan, like I, I was reading, um, so not not beating yourself up if like the stuff that you have set out to achieve, if it doesn't quite happen or if, it, or, or if something else pops yep. up that gets in its way. And like I've been reading this book called, um, it's called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And one of the really interesting things that he talked about in it was instead of desires, aim to have preferences. So like, this is the path that I would prefer to happen. Like these goals or these priorities, like we, we desire that. And when we desire it, if it doesn't happen, we're a bit crushed, but actually like, this is the preference. Like, this is what I would prefer to happen. This is what I'm hoping will happen. If it doesn't happen, not as crushed. I learned something the other day. I watched a, um, an interview with Wayne Smith. Mm. all black coach and he's like he uh he's pretty lucky his one of his best mates was gilbert anoka the sports oh side. yeah and so he was doing like things in the 80s that would like you know was groundbreaking then now even now it's mm. and and he was talking about this the um optimist the optimist mindset being an optimist and being positive about things um and how uh when things don't go your way or you know you don't get that outcome that his optimism framework is to part of that is to trust the, is just what you're saying trust mm. the process um and uh, i think i don't know he, he's such a positive guy like you know and and some of those things are uh built into people I, you know at times i'm pretty can be pretty negative but um i'd love to have more of what Wayne Smith talks about so that, you know, like you say, um, things don't go well, you don't beat yourself up. You don't feel the guilt. Um, and you can kind of trust the process a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Eh? I, I, I battle with that a little bit too. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's something that you can train though. Like I, I don't think that's set in stone that like if you look back five years ago, like with the work that you've been putting in and compare yourself now to what you were like, then your ability to be optimistic has probably improved over that period of time. But often it's hard to see when we kind of get stuck in that moment and we get focused there. So like one of the hardest things is I think around this stuff is, is patience. Like we see these traits that, that we have is ones that we can't change, but actually over, over time and over, over probably years, we can, we can improve them. And like, again, like use a zero to 10 scale, like zero is the most pessimistic person and 10 is the most optimistic person you've ever met. Like your natural state might be a five. Yeah. And yep. so like, you might not be able to train yourself to get to a 10, but you might be able to train yourself to get to a seven and a half. Yeah, that's cool. Like it's, it's like being able to dunk. 
like dunk a basketball. Like <laughs> yeah. you can get better at jumping, but you're going to have like a natural limit of how high you can jump yeah. sooner or later. Yeah. So yeah. I think you can always improve and you can always train these, these traits and these, these abilities. But um, yeah, where, where your ceiling is might not be as high as where someone else's ceiling is. Um, but I don't think that many people are, super close to their ceiling and a lot of uh a lot of skills or traits or or kind of what they might perceive as uh is just kind of inherent stuff in themselves i look i totally believe that and in my in the segue to that is i think um is uh learning to be uncomfortable which um you know you, you talk about very well and that um if I think about some of the things that I've done or been involved in and man, they were shit and they were hard. Um, mm. And sometimes I look back and go, I've been in way worse situations than this and I survived. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a little bit of um, that, that, you know, like I've been in the trenches and in the war and this, this is nothing compared to that. But so it is a little bit of a practice of being mm. comfortable and taking the job that you don't probably don't know whether you can do or not. And um, I, I think I'm probably uh, a person who likes to take a little bit of risk. And so I've done some, probably some crazy shit, um, like quitting my job with a six month old, um, you know, just got involved in a startup, <laughs> rushed into things and you know oh shit you actually need to pay my mortgage and you know um and i look back now got through it all you know didn't lose the mm -hmm. house you know had some failures and some successes but um it is absolutely an ability to to practice being uncomfortable practice yeah. you know it, it, i truly believe that yeah and i think it's it, it's like anything it is that you have to do it to get better at it like there's yeah. what does Gary V say? Like you're not going to build muscles just by reading about push-ups. You need to go <laughs> and do them. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it helps. I you know look. I, I one thing that I think it does help. Like um, uh, I try and um, if I am trying to you know focus on the fitness stuff, I'll if I'm looking at social media and stuff, I'll try and. You know, look at what other people are doing in terms of training rather than looking at mm. all the food blogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the recipes we're making, the like, fried chicken and stuff. Shit, those donuts food. look good. Mate, I got real good at making KFC chicken. <laughs> oh, man. Um, JP, what are you, you going to try and take from this, this lockdown period and, and apply to your life moving forward? Oh, that's a real good question. Um, I, th I think um, a couple of things we talked about earlier um, ab about, you know, understanding that um, try not to feel guilty. I, I definitely think um, that the one, the FOMO is, is another one, which I think inherently, inherently will happen by default. Like I haven't, um, haven't thought about missing out on different things. Mm. Um, I also am um, a bit more of a believer in um, things can happen the way that we're doing things now virtually um, with, the, with the camera on. I think I was probably a little bit uh, pessimistic around how um, businesses and things will continue to work during, during the, the lockdown. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people have done really well and during this period and have continued to um, move at, I keep saying the word velocity at the pace that they were working at if we were doing something together on site. So um, I think that'll change the way a lot of people think about how um, we work together. Um, and there's a good, I think there's going to be a lot more trust that someone at home can still do a same job that they would do otherwise they're on site. And we've, we're a little bit obsessed with being able to see people at work, see mm. them at their desk, see them in the meeting. Um, and I I think that's a big game changer for us um, locally in New Zealand because we're very, um, especially in the IT industry, we're very focused on local people, um, local faces, the ability to walk to the client site and, and do the job or go to the office, um, see someone um, personally. We can still achieve using 
um, resources. The you know, I've got people in South Africa, India, Australia, and America, and we're going fine. Like the world hasn't ended, things are still happening. So um, I've definitely changed my mindset there, um, which I think a lot, a lot of companies have as well. Um, mm. You know, it hasn't been as bad as everyone predicted. Obviously, um, construction and a lot of businesses that haven't been able to operate, it's been an absolute killer. But for some other areas, and unfortunately to be in one of those, that's been able to carry on. Yeah, yeah, and that stuff's that stuff's really interesting. And like, I've had a lot of those conversations on on my other podcast, leading through challenge about kind of flexible work practices and delib- being really deliberate in the way that we're interacting at the moment. But like, I think it's been it's just been a massive experiment that has has proved that we we can do do things differently, which is which is cool. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to kind of see where it uh, where it tracks back to. Yeah, and I don't think um, we'll see a massive rush of people going back to the office space. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of companies and people going, hey, look at this, we're going okay, let's just keep going. You know, we don't need to rush all back in. Um, there's some bit more confidence about what we can do from our homes. And um, I think it's a really good thing. I, I think it'll change the workplace a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's expensive to own big offices and you know, put coffee on all those sorts of things. And um, so we might see a change of property space being devalued a little bit, which I think is a great thing because we're so far away from everyone else in the world. And mm. it's probably also going to enable us to have a bit more confidence to go out there and win business and do cool things with companies from all around the world. And we can sit at home and it's already happening. Like, but um, I just think on a bigger scale, it's going to give hopefully us, us Kiwis more opportunity to go out mm. and win more business overseas. Yeah, we're going to get better at the uncomfortable uh, ask to do that yeah. stuff with people. Yeah, yeah, that's a, and that's a real that's a real tough one. Um, having those uncomfortable conversations over a computer, you know, face to face with the, it's really easy to send an, a shitty email with bad news or or to just send an, an instant message, but, um, you know, turn the camera on, let's get face to face and have that horrible conversation when you're like, <laughs> like this, you <laughs> yeah. it's really hard. Um, and it's just as hard in person, but, um, one thing I've been trying to do too, is that let's have these, let's have these tough conversations in person. And, um, man, the, the, the if, if anything, it's been, uh, is intimate the right word? But it feels more intimate mm. if we're talking like this when rather we're just like sitting back in a room across yeah. a big desk, you know? Um, and that's, that's definitely been a learning and um, it's been a real positive one too. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. Um, mate, I don't want to keep you sitting at your, at your desk for like 14 hours today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up with a couple of quick questions for you. What was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? The last uncomfortable thing I did, I had to give someone some bad news, and this is the and this is the the thing where I get the I, I'm worried about what they're going to think of me, and and so I delayed the conversation. What I had to sort of understand in my own head that I'm not a bad person, they're not a bad person. This is just the situation, and that by delaying the conversation, it's actually going to make things worse. But I felt like I had to really pump myself up to have mm. that conversation and, and, and rehearse it. And so, you know, and, and things often go way better than you think they're going to go. And it did go really well. And the outcome wasn't ideal for the other person, but they're thriving. They've got another opportunity and we're still communicating and still friends. I find those things really hard to do. And, you know, as I get older and I'm uh, moving up and levels and businesses and things, I'm starting to have more of those conversations so i think i'll be better for the next one and i'll probably be as you say i would have trained myself and had a bit more experience and know that it's not going to be as painful as as i probably first thought yeah and someone mentioned to me uh, i think it was it was one of my old podcast guests i think it was named it was trevor bomb um who who mentioned like sometimes things are just going to be painful regardless of when you do them so you could do them now and have it be painful or you could do it in two weeks and have it be painful but if you do it in two weeks you've got to carry the apprehension around that that pain for two and that's weeks more painful yeah it's absolutely more painful and i'm 
the worst that they have suffered for two weeks before I, you know, go and do that thing, make that phone yeah. call. But um, it's a total work on. It's yeah. A total work yeah. On. Maybe it's a question just to say, do I want to, do I want to feel horrible for two weeks before this conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like ripping that band out in it. Yeah. JP, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do, mate? And why is that uncomfortable for you? What's the next uncomfortable thing I'm going to do? I'm doing something on Friday. It's not uncomfortable. It's more the, probably a little bit like the imposter syndrome. I'm mm. going to be a, a judge for a, like a startup thing with, to do with BNZ. And I got asked if I'd be keen to jump on the panel and be one of the judges. And I was like, yep, that sounds awesome. This is totally my cup of tea. And then I saw the other people on the panel and I'm like, holy shit, I'm, <laughs> these guys are all like superstars and partners and done amazing things. And then it's going to be me. And he going to be like, who is that guy? Where, you know? And so I, the, actually this evening I went, oh man, have I done the right thing by, you know, signing up for this? So there's a little bit of apprehension and I'm probably more worried about what people think. Why am I there? So I know I'm actually looking forward to it, but it's definitely, I am definitely feeling uncomfortable about it. And it's probably part of that little imposter syndrome thing um, often happens. Yeah. Mate, like we've kind of threaded this through the conversation in terms of kind of strategies for dealing with discomfort, but do you have any other ones that you use on a regular basis? Yeah. We talked about that other one earlier that, the, you know, I'm, I'm so close. I also have a real big belief that it's a little bit like growth mindset. If I'm not, learning um i'm not in an uncomfortable position things get a little bit easy then i'm going well am i going where i want to go is this is this right for me mm. and you know i've got out of jobs and and things that if i'm in cruise mode then i know it's not good um because one thing that happens is i it's a slippery slope for me i'll i'll actually become unhappy i'll get grumpy i'll become demotivated so uh, it's putting the raincoat on and, and sort of trying to head towards the storm. And if I always know if it's a little bit storm and a bit rocky, then I'm probably where I need to be. And there is a, I think there's a balance of, of drowning, but just keeping your head above the water. And if I'm, if I'm bobbing, I'm keeping my head above the water, then I know that I'm where yeah. I need to be. And it's probably where I, what I enjoy the most. Mate, I'm just writing that down because that's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> Put the raincoat on and head towards the storm. Mate, I, I can't. So I've stolen it from uh, David Galbraith, who's oh yeah, um, sports psych. You know, yeah. I heard him talk about it the other day, and I, I I talked at work the other week about diversity and things and bits and pieces I learned, and um, it, it's it's now my go-to. Put the raincoat on, and I've, I've been saying to myself daily lately, and it's cool. You know, like it, there's a little bit of a you know getting up out of the trenches and going into that fight. It's mm. it's like that Rocky moment or that Rambo moment. That yeah, you know, you're in a you're in a fight, and I'm the sort of person that would prefer to not physically. I'm, I'm not good at fighting, but would prefer to be you know in the trenches rather than standing back and and watching with the binoculars. So mm. um, it's definitely a bit of me. Nice, mate. A couple of other quick questions for you, JP. But just want to say thanks, mate, for for taking the time to have a conversation with me and and yep. being being so open and exploring a few of these interesting topics has been yep. it's been really cool to to have this conversation with you, mate. If people are interested in the stuff that you do and want to want to connect, where's the best place for them to do that? That's a really good question. JPTocker.com is my web site which is a little bit out of date there's still a few of my podcasts are floating around and they're like on all the all the mediums and stuff look I, i'm pretty easily contactable um linkedin instagram's kind of where the social media stuff happens most yeah. of these days so um, absolutely reach out I, I i'm good at learning and reading all these books and stuff and i know all this stuff but i'm not great at putting it into practice gotta do the push-ups bro gotta do <laughs> yeah, the push-ups absolutely i'm doing the, i'm trying to do the press-ups and and I'm learning and getting better. So as I say to lots of my friends, I say, I've got some good advice. I may not follow it myself or I'm still trying to learn it, but I've read this and it sounds really good. So give it a go. Yeah. Uh, awesome, bro. <laughs> Maybe that could be the title as well. I've read this and it sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. JP, do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week, mate? Yeah, I reckon try and find something in the next seven days that you've been putting off or that you don't want to do. Well, that's uh, really uncomfortable for you. Um, I reckon get out there, do that run, sign up for that course, put your hand up and to speak at work. I think a lot of us have got inherent abilities and, and skills that we may think are just 
part and parcel or we're not that great, but we actually, everyone has something to give. And that little piece of advice, that weird little thing that you do might be just the one or 2% that really helps someone else. So don't be afraid to, to, to give something a crack, and especially if it's an opportunity to help someone else, but may feel like you're a little bit uncomfortable. So that, that would be my challenge, mate. Mm, beautiful challenge, buddy. Beautiful challenge. I've got a couple of those on my list, so I'll be, awesome. I'll be getting into them. JP Tucker, yeah. thanks so much for getting uncomfortable thanks, bro. with it's me been today, so good. Mate. Awesome. Love to see you too. There you have it, team. Hope you enjoyed that one. I had great fun having that conversation with JP, and there's definitely been a few things that I am putting off, so I'm going to get into them this week. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. This will come out in about a week's time, so I will pop a post up on social media about the the uncomfortable things that I've been putting off that JP has spurred me to get into. Just a quick plug again, if you're interested in leadership, you want to up your leadership game, then check out my new show called Leading With Through Challenge. Interviews, shorter interviews in this with a whole lot of experts on leadership, trainers, coaches, practitioners, all about how we can become better leaders so we can lead our people through challenging situations. You can get that on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this one on. So once you've this is finished, head over, listen to Leading Through Challenge. Thank you to Jyland for your awesome editing skills. Thank you to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music. And thank you, as always, to you guys for getting uncomfortable with us today. Mm-hmm.